We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. A Monday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, which means we've got Joe C. coming up here in just a bit. Let me kick things off with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. t how was the weekend? It's pretty good. Um, pretty chill. Got a, little, uh, got a little pool action. Nice. Got, uh, got the walk around the lake in on Saturday. Nice. Uh, got to see my nieces and nephews. So yeah, it's a good, good family chill weekend. Good man. I'm glad. How about, how about you? Not bad. Not bad. I oh, I brought this up, and I'm in. Toby and I do a radio show on the Sports Talk Network. We're on right after each other, and we have this segment about 8:45 every day called the Crossover. And I meant to bring this up with you, but I didn't. So I'll do it here off the top of the podcast. Okay. Go ahead. I'm trying to introduce my daughters to movies that I watched when I was growing up. For instance. We watched the original Muppet movie on Thursday night. That came out in 1979. I'm not aware yeah. of that. It's great. So on Saturday, I tried to show them E.T. Mm-hmm. They, they, they panned it. They were done with it after 20 minutes. How can you be done? <laughs> how can you be done with E.T. after 20 minutes, Toby? Where have I gone wrong as a parent? I, I think that is somewhat understandable. Okay. Because at the time... The technology of E.T. was amazing. That's right. I mean, it had a glowing finger for Pete's sake. Who's ever heard of such things? (laughs) But now watching it back in 2020 with what we know and have and everything, I think it is a little bit like, really? These are the special effects that Steven Spielberg chose? Uh, So I I, I just think uh, 
maybe kids' minds have advanced beyond that. And it was kind of funny because we, I, I stopped and like, okay, we'll give it another try tomorrow night. And when that came around, like, no, nope, no, nope, Dad, we're done with it. So I, I think you may, especially when the movie we had watched before was Endgame from the Avengers. The technology, yeah, technology might have been a little bit better there. Hey, when right. we t- when we talked on Monday of last week, we were speculating on Cade Cavalli going in the first round and thinking what the what the rotation might still look like for next year. Holy smokes, what a week it was in in an incredible way for recruiting, but a bit of a gut punch for next year, but still you can't help but feel incredibly blessed to have been around this team and can't help but think what might have been whenever you have your ace going the first round, your Saturday starter going what the third and your Sunday starter going the fourth. I mean, what a week for OU baseball. It really was and and you just um you know, you knew the possibilities going into this week were many. And it was, that's what made it so fascinating as to how it was going to turn out. You know, who's going to go and who's not going to go um, means who's back and who's not back. And it's such, a, it's such an odd thing in baseball compared to other sports. Football and basketball, when kids decide to enter the draft, that's it. You know, and now they've made, for the most part, that's it. Now they've made some exceptions, I think, in basketball, where if you don't get an agent, you can come back if you want. But, I mean, pretty much if you declare for the draft, you're going pro. And in baseball, you really, you don't know. Right. I mean, it just, you don't know who's going to go and who's going to come back. And um, so you're simultaneously absolutely thrilled for these young men who, you, you know, Chris, you travel with uh, softball and you've traveled with, with baseball in the past. You get to know these guys. You get to know their families. Uh, you know their their stories. You know how hard they work. You know the ups and downs that they have in, in college. And, and for them to have a moment like this and their career to blossom like this, I mean, they're about to get paid handsomely and have the opportunity for professional baseball, which is – what they dreamed of. I mean, especially like Levi Prater. I mean, that story is, a that's an E60 story right there. You know, that might be a movie, what, what right. he's done. So um, <clears throat> it's just great. Um, and then, you know, the other side of it is, what does it mean for OU baseball? Well, our, I guess what it means is they're going to have a new rotation next year. The, uh, you know, a couple of good things that did come out of it is there are a couple of high school kids headed to campus now who under the old system, if we had a normal draft, probably wouldn't have been. And that's uh, Kate Horton from Norman and uh, uh, Jace Borofin from Westmore. And uh, both of those kids are big-time players that are going to help this program right away. Horton as a pitcher and a hitter, Borofin as a hitter. And uh, so that's great. And the other thing is um, – they are very, very deep at pitching. So there are many, many options that can fill the void left by Cavalli, Prater, and Acker in that rotation. Um, you know, and it, it would have been nice to have one or two of those guys back next year. But uh, this means that somebody else is going to get a chance to be that Friday night ace. Maybe a Wyatt Olds gets to be that guy. Uh, you know, we saw Jake Bennett last year as a freshman. That was nearly unhittable. Big lefty out of the Tulsa area. Uh, ben Abrams been off to a great start, and I mean, I'm not going to name every pitcher that they've, they've got, but there are tons and tons of guys down there in that bullpen. Christian Rubeck was a freshman last year that was throwing 98, 99, 
And you wonder if maybe they try to turn him into a starter and see where that goes. So, um, and then there's got some Juco guys coming in and, you know, I was told through the grapevine that as soon as the draft was over the next day, OU was getting calls and emails from all over the country Wow, from pitch from pitchers who were wanting to wanted to know if there was room for them to come here. Wow. Because, because of, you know, obviously what Skip Johnson is doing with pitchers and it's, you know, you look at the draft and, it's pretty obvious. So they're going to be fine on the mound. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. They're going to be fine on the mound. Skip Johnson and the level of recruiting they're doing, they're going to be fine. You know, I just realized something. Skip did about a 40-minute Zoom this Friday. So I think, you know what, we'll add that to the podcast today. Make it a little longer podcast, but I think baseball fans will enjoy that. So after yeah. T-Rose conversation with, with Josie, which is coming up here in a bit, we'll, we'll play – Skips Zoom for you, which, by the way, had a lot of big baseball names on it. Yeah, you saw some of the ESPN yeah. guys. And I guess maybe one final thought on it. I've loved, I've loved getting to know Skip Johnson. I've loved listening to him talk. I think he's one of the funniest guys on the planet. What have you seen in him that's made him such a good coach for pitchers? I think he is um, amazingly relatable. To kids agreed and you you hear that when he does an interview uh he does not talk down to kids he doesn't yell at them he doesn't curse at them he just kind of he knows how to put things in terms that is easy to understand and pitching is a very complicated thing and, you, and, and i would you know be any good at it but you can't just yell at a kid throw the curveball better. You got to teach him how to do it. And he is a great, great teacher. He's got the, um, he's got the vocabulary for it. He's got the knowledge for it. He has the patience for it. I love going down in the bullpen before a game, a couple hours before a game, when he's working with the guys who probably aren't going to pitch that night. Um, and they're, you know, working on developing a new pitch or perfecting one that they have right now. And it's, it's a masterclass, man. It's great. That's so cool. Uh, so I think that, and he's, you know, he's got the knowledge. He knows what he's doing and he knows how to relate to kids. He's a, he's a fun, easygoing personality that people like to be around. So, you know, he's kind of becoming the college pitchers, what Lincoln Riley is to college quarterbacks. And this was a big publicity draft for OU too. I mean, you saw all these guys go in a five-round draft, and it got a lot of national attention, and it's going to help them on the recruiting trail. I loved it. I mean, and it's one of those kind of catch-22s to where you're excited for these guys, and you want to see them. Brady Lindsay, sure. I mean, how cool is that? But then also there's yeah. a part of you where like, oh, man, could you imagine them back on campus next year? Right. But like you said, Toby, long-term it benefits Oklahoma to see this take place like it did this last week in the draft, right? Long term, there's no doubt, and, and the short term, they're going to be okay. Right, uh, more than okay. They are loaded. Like Tanner Treadaway had a chance of going in this draft. He didn't. He might go into next year as a first team All Conference guy. Might might be in the running for preseason Player of the Year in the conference next year. So uh, they're going to be fine, and there are uh, plenty of options on the mound. But what this will do for them in the long term in the recruiting game. And the reputation of this university is immense. T-Row, let's, uh, since we just, I just real, I legit just realized I had that Zoom call with Skip. So let's wrap with this. It was interesting because yeah. 
You talk to Josie every Friday. We bring it to you on the podcast here every Monday. When you talk to him on Friday, I think we all felt like we had a good week. Did anything over the weekend change your perspective or opinion on the path going forward for football starting on time? Um, no, I don't. I mean, I guess not. I, I think the Houston thing made me a little uneasy. You know, uh, they they came back and then had a bunch of guys test positive and and decided to suspend their voluntary workouts for a while. So you know, that was felt like a step in the wrong direction there. But, you know, in the big picture, I guess not. I just really wish I'm disheartened by baseball. Oh, God. I'm I'm disheartened by Major League Baseball. And it would be so much easier and better for college sports if the professionals would get out there in front and do it successfully. It would make everybody feel better about everything, like how you do the testing, fans in the stands, all that kind of stuff. I just don't think college can be first. So you've got the NBA balking here a little bit now. You've got Major League Baseball refusing to get on the same page. And I just wish all those guys would get on this, you know, let's let's go. Let's kind of get after it because I think that road needs to be paved before college football can jump out there. So maybe a tad bit not feeling quite as good as I was on Friday, but – uh, maybe hearing Joe's voice here again will help me. <laughs> Thanks, Toby. Have a great week, buddy. See you, Chris. We'll get to that Joe C. interview coming up in just a bit. First, the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT&T, America's best network. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. Hey, don't forget, 2020 football season ticket renewals are now live. Log on to your account at Soonersports.com to view all of your renewal information and to renew today. And if you missed the big news this morning as we tape this on a Monday around lunchtime, the University of Oklahoma has made a limited number of season football tickets available for 2020 beginning on Wednesday morning. Log on to Soonersports.com for more information. Season tickets for the 2020 season available now. And finally, Wingstop. It's time to add some boneless wings to your Wingstop delivery order, available in any of their 11 mouth-watering flavors. So go ahead and crush those spicy, saucy, sweet, and sassy cravings. Go to Wingstop.com now and get delivery to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. As we typically do on a Monday, Toby Rowland sat down with Joe Castiglione and started by laying out the positives. You know what, Joe? It feels like it's been a good week. I feel like we've had a kind of a wave of good news here about the virus, about sports. We got some timelines out there. What do you think? Are you feeling positive today? I am. And, uh, well, first of all, full disclosure, I try to feel positive every day. <laughs> some, maybe more, some days more positive than others, but. I do feel like we're making some progress, at least making some decisions. And that has been tough to come by for several months. And I understand why, Toby, you and I have talked about it many times. You know, it's just uh, a limitation of information out there. Uh, we're dealing with something that is, uh, you know, hard to can't see it. And that's uh, something we've not dealt with before. Um and even though we've got some amazing scientists tracking it, monitoring it, experimenting, trying to treat it, uh, and we live in a world where we want instant 
gratification. It just hasn't been that way. But little by little, we're, we're able to get a piece of information and make some new some uh, decisions, creates news. But more importantly, it creates a target that we could work towards. That uh, World Health Organization uh, nugget this week that they thought it was pretty rare that asymptomatic patients could spread the coronavirus I mean, I know we're a long ways from proving if that's true or not. That could have big ramifications for having fans in the stands, perhaps, in the fall. Absolutely. Although they walked that back a little. (laughs) I don't know uh, why they um, made a statement one day and then, you know, came back the next day and tried to walk it back some. uh, Probably because this is still a, a spot where there's, too many unknowns. You know, they haven't had time to really allow uh, the effects of the virus, you know, to, to get into the data where they know it's tested. And so I think that's why they're, they're trying to be very careful. But they must have had a reason to say it to begin with. So yeah. we'll go with it's probably somewhere in the middle. Then that's, that's progress. I do want to ask you about the college football timeline, but I would be remiss if I didn't uh, formally congratulate you on uh, the stadium.com, uh, naming you the best athletic director in the Big 12. Joe, congratulations. Well, Toby, thanks. But you, I think you know me well enough. Uh, I, I'm very grateful for it. I mean, certainly very nice, but I really never think it's about me. Uh, if, if anything, this uh, this is a chance for me to – shine the spotlight on the, the real reasons anything like that ever happens. And that's, that's the people that we get to work with. Um, you see our student athletes have such incredible commitment and they work so hard and coaches and staff, uh, fans, you know, every administration of our university, everybody works together. We have a, a values driven, a purpose driven culture that, supports everybody uh, we always are trying to get better all the time but that's what really makes a difference in why these awards happen i'm i'm glad i can use this moment to put the uh, spotlight on them all right let's talk timelines let's talk dates you've been pushing for some dates here and we've, we've got some now they're going to vote wednesday on the six-week practice plan um, there is now out there a proposal that required workouts would start for you guys on July 13th uh, and then uh, walk-through practices could start on July 24th, fall camp August 7th. So are you comfortable with the timelines out there that are being proposed for football? I am. I am. uh, Had a chance. As you know, I'm on this uh, working group within the Big 12 Conference. So we talked about this the other day. Uh, I know they haven't confirmed anything at the NCAA, and there's still a chance, you know, that it gets modified before it gets approved finally. But um, I'm I'm okay, and of course, as you know, I talk to Coach Riley uh, daily, um, and and I, we've been working through all these different machinations as they've been proposed, or maybe we've had ideas we could propose, you know, to the working groups, but. Uh, this, I think, makes sense. Um, it allows uh, us to ramp up a little bit more. Um, as you know, we're bringing everybody back so we could start 
voluntary workouts on July 9th. You remember we talked about that still well, well over nine weeks before the date of the first game, assuming we start on, on time. Uh, but we start with voluntary workouts that give us a chance uh, to get the guys in the um, weight room and even though they have to work out on their own, but you know, start to get them, you know, get them in a little bit of a routine. And then, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, you get to go through organized workouts, which, which are the ones that are normal and typical and what people think about uh, during the summer. You know, we've had that discussion too about whether voluntary workouts uh, were the big difference, you know, in a competitive advantage or disadvantage. But this is, you know, the, these dates allow us to get into the opportunity for just continual um, climb toward uh, the type of uh, conditioning that we want. And uh, then, as you mentioned, you know, there are trigger dates where coaches could be more involved, more meetings can happen, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to the fall camp. So, yes, I, I have worked through this, and I think it's a, a good plan, and I hope it does get approved. Voluntary workouts July 9 or July 1? One. Okay. So, it, you had said nine I'll, just now, so I think that, yeah, go. Oh, okay. excuse me. Uh, I, thought, I apologize. So we are, you know, we are bringing in, uh, the football team will, will start to arrive around the night of the 27th. Uh, as you know, we're trying to work through a, a group of them, uh, especially the, the freshmen. And so we work through getting them in the uh, dorm and the other guys are coming in town. And then we, go immediately into our medical protocols uh, to do testing, et cetera. And then we would be ready to start uh, voluntary workouts on July 1. Okay. I don't know if you know the answer to this yet. Maybe. Um, what's the financial price tag for all this testing that you're going to have to do? Well, that changes all the time. <laughs> like anything else, when you know, there's more supply, uh, than there is demand. There's still a lot of demand. So at the moment, you know, you could find uh, um, opportunities to acquire the the nasal pharyngeal test for uh, somewhere between seventy five and one hundred dollars each. Uh, the um, serum test or the, the blood test for the antibodies is a little less than that. Um, but we figured at the current price uh, to do one test for our, our staff and student athletes for the football team would be somewhere in the fifteen to eighteen thousand dollar range. Wow, <laughs> one test. You know, so if you met, you just multiply that times the number of tests that you that you have to do, and we're still watching that all the time, Toby, is, again, going back to some of the things we've talked about before other people talked about it, but we, this show is for that purpose. That's right. Um, you know, we, uh, we are you know, watching the advancement of not only the production of tests, but, again, when the more tests are available, that price is most likely going to come down. Uh, but there may be other tests that are easier. Uh, that particular test we talked about isn't, isn't the most comfortable test. Um, but it's the one that's been utilized the most um, and has the most reliability. But there'll be other tests, so saliva tests, swabs, where you may not have to go 
as far up in a nasal cavity as they do now, uh, might be able to get quicker turnaround on the test results. So I think all of that pricing is going to come down, and uh, and, and I think it, maybe by the time we get to uh, the end of this month, we we might see a different you know different price point. But you know we're we're it's not only that expense, obviously the uh, additional expense that uh, we're we're doing to have to disinfect all of our facilities repeatedly. Um, we do that every day anyway, you know, uh, during the course of the year, but obviously we're fighting something different here. Uh, so uh, you have that expense, you have the additional PPE. So there are some budgetary impacts, but we're going to find a way to, you know, obviously do the right thing so we can protect everybody. One more question, Joe, and, and we've been talking mostly about football, but big last couple of days for your baseball program, four guys taken in the first four rounds of the draft and a couple other young men that were headed to OU as well. Um, speaking of timelines, there is a proposal out there to move the college baseball season back four weeks. Do you like this idea? Do you think it is realistic that it could happen? I've been involved in a lot of the baseball changes over the years, and back when I was on the baseball committee, we had this discussion late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, it did lead to adjusting the College World Series back some and led to uh, um, creating the, the final series as a best of three. Um, but that kept you know the, the baseball season moving back more and more when we went from uh, one weekend of regionals to a regional, then a super regional, then the College World Series. So now, you know, the, the College World Series is finishing in late June. I think that is um, a little bit of a concern for some. Uh, you know, some cases or schools that don't um, have their baseball teams in, in summer school, um, maybe that would change. You know, it's going to have to be an academic uh, element of this decision as much as it is an athletic one. Uh, and I know we deal with ends of semesters, and some schools are in quarter systems, and they don't get finished until June. So there's lots of tricky elements to this. I do understand the uh, part about the baseball season starting a little later, M- maybe being more uh, – you know, more adept to take advantage of the better weather as it, mm-hmm. as it, as we know, it goes through the spring and uh, early summer. And I know people will talk about the possibility of, well, the better the weather, the more people would come out to, to baseball games. Um, and there's been this component, you know, about what, what's going to happen to minor league baseball. You know, there've been talks mm-hmm. way before COVID-19 about, you know, the strength of minor league baseball. So, I, I think it's intriguing, and I do think it is worth some discussion, but I also think there are some uh, some elements of this that have to really be thought through because you'd be talking about those those schools that have teams in the tournament probably uh, having you know their, their players on campus through the end of July, uh, early August, and then you turn around and you start a semester again, so you really don't have any time off. And that, that could be a, an issue. But, again, I love ideas that are progressive, and I think this is worth discussing. Josie, I feel like that you can just take what I say right now and tag it to every single interview 
than Joe C. does with us. He's the absolute best. Thanks to Joe Castiglione for joining us. Now, before we tag this with that Zoom conference call that Skip Johnson did looking back on the draft and looking ahead on 2020, I want to remind you the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by Norman Regional, offering virtual care so you can consult with a doc on your smartphone. Learn more at normanvirtualcare.com or download the app today. Homeland. Don't feel like getting out to buy groceries? Let Homeland deliver it to your door. Visit homelandstores.com for more details. OG&E is power at the speed of life, and the Midway Deli is open for takeout and delivery on DoorDash. The full menu can be found at midwaydeli.com or pick up the phone and call us at 321-7004. That's 405-321-7004. Make sure to mention curbside if you're in a more high-risk category. Now, how about Skip Johnson looking back on an incredible week for OU baseball? Hi, Skip. Um, Britt Giroli here with The Athletic in D.C. Um, I'm wondering when um, you think about a, a kid like Cavelli, uh, what sets him apart? You've obviously been doing this a long time. Uh, what sets him apart between the ears that, you know, maybe you haven't seen with some other guys? You know, we talk about, Brittany, we talk about intangibles, and I tell the story to – uh, a lot of guys, uh, Coach Van Hook's uh, mom was diagnosed with cancer, and I, and I called him on a Wednesday, and it's like, hey, Coach Van Hook, you, it's not an option. You're going to go see your mother today. And when the team got to the field, I was like, uh, we're going to pray for Coach Van Hook's mother, and, okay, will you lead us in the prayer? And he prayed, you know, and it was like he was reading it off his shoe. I mean, it was powerful. It was something, something that um, – you know, you can't, you know, that's an intangible, that's a leadership quality that you can't teach. I mean, his stuff is his stuff. I mean, he's, you know, you know, he'll be 94 to 97 pot. He can spin the ball. He's athletic. You don't even need run, run bunt coverages. I know they don't bunt in professional baseball, but uh, you know, it's, uh, you don't have to run bunt coverages. He's really good around the mound. He's super athletic. He's super charismatic. And uh, uh, you're going to see, See what he, he sees. You're going to feel what he feels when he pitches. That's the sign of somebody that's really, really good. When you saw Fernandez die, that, that, you know, when he saw him pitch the guy that died, you felt what he felt when he pitched. You know, he put every, he put everything he had into the game. And that's what you're going to see with Cade. And that's, uh, uh, it's what's fun about being around him, his humility and his ego he inspires others. It's uh, it's really fun to be around. Okay, uh, Vic Reynolds. Yeah, hey, Skip. Vic Reynolds with the Oklahoman here. Um, uh, we talked earlier this week about, like, before the draft, about kind of the NCAA and the 35-man roster limit, and you were really adamant about the 27 counters. Um, hearing the news from yesterday that they're, they're giving you guys some relief, can you just give us your thoughts on what the NCAA, what their ruling was? I think it's huge for our sport, for sure. Um, you know, with the five rounds and uh, um, what's happened of of going from 27 to 32, I think it's really big for our, our sport to, you know, give us some relief off the 25% deal uh, scholarship as well. And I think it's going to only help each and every team. You're going to be able to keep some guys. You're going to be able to retain some guys that normally you might not retain. Um that's the biggest issue more so than anything is, you know, you're, you're the only counter sport there is. And uh, you have 11.7 divide between 27 players. It gets tough, especially when 
uh, some guys have extra year, you know. So I think that's uh, uh, with that relief that they helped us with the ball for once. I thought that was great. And uh, uh, let's move forward from here. Thanks, Kip. Eddie Radosevich. Thanks for doing this, Skip. Uh, could you just talk about what it means for the program as far as having your entire weekend rotation uh, drafted and then what that process is going to be like in trying to uh, fill the void left by Cade, Levi, and Dane? Well, you know, I, I, uh, it, it really seems some, um, I mean, when you, you look at those guys that we had, uh, Cade, Levi and Acker, uh, I look at the University of Oklahoma as, you know, being a power five school and I don't have an expectation. I don't have an expectation for kids, but that's what it should look like, right? I mean, we're the University of Oklahoma and I'm not saying that we're going to ever win national championships or anything like that. And my, my goal is uh, to, to build relationships and to, to teach life lessons for, to these kids and to watch how much those guys grew when they were here, Levi, uh, even Acker in the years that the, you know, the half a year that he was here, how much that, that, that kid grew was, uh, is amazing. And so um, I think it just shows you what our program's about, shows you what our baseball program's about, shows you what our coaching staff's about. It's about development, and uh, uh, I think that was what was beautiful. And I really wish we could have reaped the benefits of the rest of the year. Who knows how that would have played out? Uh, but I, I got to think that would have been good for sure. Just real quick follow-up on that as far as uh, the way that the season ended and knowing what you guys had as far as the rotation and, and the challenges that you could present uh, in a regional or even in Omaha. Is, this gonna, is it still tough to get over? Uh, and I know it's out of your hands, but is it still uh, tough to swallow as far as the way that this ended and not being able to uh, finish it out with that group? You know, uh, at times, you know, it, it is more so more so after you see those kids get drafted. But going into it, it was just one of those deals. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen, where Cade was going to go, where Levi was going to go, where Acker was going to go. We we're worried about that the whole time. But, uh, you know, now that those guys are gone, it, you dwell on it a little bit more, but we're going to get over it, and, and uh, uh, we're we're happy for them that they got that opportunity because they they worked for that. I mean, they really did, and and uh, it's fun to. They're always going to be a part of OU baseball. Thanks, Skip. Thank you, Eddie. Let's go next to Jesse Darty. Sorry if I didn't say that right. No worries. Um, hey, Skip, thanks for doing this. I cover the Nationals for the Washington Post, uh, so I'll be covering two of your guys now. Um, both of them mentioned, both Cade and Brady mentioned that Cade got to the point with you that he could call his own pitches. Um, I wanted to ask you what you need to see in a young pitcher to give them that ability and, uh, and that sort of trust and sort of maybe how that developed. Well, I mean, it's about the, it's about the process of teaching them, you know, uh, Jesse, more so than anything. I think uh, uh, giving them that opportunity and what we all learn from by failure you know and there's times like in the Arkansas game he he threw two pitches in 
Arkansas game, give up the first time. It's usually location, but it was the type of pitch that he got beat on. And I think that's the biggest deal is those guys, he's smart enough to look at, to go through the scout report, read about the scout report and attack the scout report where it gets tough at times is when you try to make those guys swing and miss, when you try to make them swing and miss, you get out of control. And once you get out of control, you're done. And so I think that's the biggest thing that Cade's learned. And, and, and Brady is a, a Brady, he brings a lot of enthusiasm. I mean, he brings a lot of energy. He's a leader. He's a captain. He'll get after it. And you forgot about one other one, Jake Irvin. Right. He signed two years ago. And yep. I mean, those guys are, they're cut out of the same cloth. I got to spend more time with uh, Cavalli. I wish I'd have got to spend the same time with uh, Irv, with Cavalli as I did. Uh, you know, I spent more time with Cavalli. I wish I got to spend more time with Irvin. I mean, it, I mean, those guys are, Cavalli is going to be really special. I mean, this guy just now started pitching. I mean, he hadn't even logged hardly 100 innings. It was a great draft pick by you guys. Un unbelievable. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Let's go to Tyler Palmatier. I'm sorry, man. Um, hey, regarding Kate Horton and and Jace Borfin, uh, how much did the shortened draft affect their situations? And uh, is there a silver lining now, not just for you as a team, but also them moving forward that, that school's the option for them more than likely? I think, I, you know, I was sitting at my mom's funeral on, on, on uh, uh, Wednesday, and I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to tell these guys, you know, tonight in, in the draft if they don't get drafted and, and whatnot? But I think it's better. You know, they have more, they have better time to uh, life lessons. I, you know, if they set their number or in their bar where they were and teams didn't get to it, it was a, it was a weird draft as it was. And so, you know, those guys, you know, Dax Fulton, um, Jace and, and uh, Cade were very important to our program and they're three freshmen. And when, when those guys set their number and they stuck to their number, not that Dax didn't or Levi or anybody else did. I think that what they were saying is, you know, if you take me here, it's changing, life changing. But what do we have to move forward? And that's what I kept telling myself is like, what am I going to tell these guys? You're going to feel sorry for yourself that you didn't get drafted, they didn't give you the money, or what are you going to do to get better from it? You know, they're not telling you that you can't play professional baseball. Sometimes they're telling you maybe you're not ready to play professional baseball. And some, in that case, those guys, might have wanted more money than some of the the team the the plan the team had, and so uh, we're thankful that they chose the University of Oklahoma. They're very two very good players. Um, you know, Horton is a two way guy. Plus, he's a quarterback and also a baseball player. So it's going to be interesting to see how his uh, development happens over the course of the next three years. Because I know Jace will develop and he'll continue to to get better. And uh, I think that's a, a great thing for our program. And if I might, if I might ask a follow-up, Skip, about another high school signee, Ed Howard turned into a really cool story, him staying with the Cubs. What can you tell us about his relationship with Kendall and um, has the recruitment of those two guys given you any perspective about the state of inner city baseball? Well, I mean, that there's, you're hundred percent, you hundred percent agree. I mean, Kate, uh, Cash did a great, 
Coach Overcash did a great job recruiting and identifying those guys at a young age, went up there to, to watch those guys. We have a really good uh, uh, relationship with the ACE program, the inner city kids, and we offered uh, three of them and got all three of them. And uh, uh, Kendall's, they, those guys grew up playing with each other. And I'll never forget when we, when we committed Ed Howard, he weighed 155 pounds and all these other coaches were like, hey, man, are you, are you, you know, like, have you watched this guy play? He's not very big. And then all of a sudden he grew into his body and he came on and me and Coach Overcast were laughing about it last night. And he's such a great kid and they play so hard and they're, they're leaders in their community. And, uh, uh, you know, Kendall even helped him a lot last year of, you know, because he was a year ahead of, of Ed. So he helped him a lot of telling him, hey, you know, what the program like, what college baseball is like. But, you know, you saw the talent that uh, Ed Howard, he wasn't going to – I mean, they're, they're going to draft that guy because he's such a great player. Thanks, Kip. Thank you. Eric Bailey. Hey, Skip. Uh, first of all, condolences for your mom. And I got two questions for you. I wanted to ask you just, let's ask about, I wanted to ask you about your mom. What was her name and how much did she, what did she mean to you in helping you become the man you are today? Uh, her name was Peggy Johnson. She was, uh, uh, being the man I was today is probably the values and the, uh, that are set forth, you know, the never give up. I mean, um, I got called at seven o'clock in the morning and um, the ER doctor told me that she had to, she only had an hour to live. And then at 8.30, they called me again. The, uh, the doctor in the ICU said she only had an hour to live. She didn't die until 10.30 that night. And it was at 7, 8.30 in the morning. So she taught me a value of not giving up, not quitting, you know, until she saw her, her kids. And, uh, uh, we, you know, I drove in from Lubbock and, and uh, it was, it was, she held on and showed you how tough she was and persevered and, and I mean, she's at a, in a better place, believe me. She had dementia and, and it wasn't good. And I'm, I'm so happy that she's uh, in heaven. And I know that I can say that because I know it. Well, thinking of your step. Uh, second question, uh, do you think there'll be a long-term effect by only playing 18 games this season compared to the 60 you usually play? Will that carry over to 2021 in any way? How many games? You guys played 18 instead of usually 60. Will that carry over in any, any way next season? I think so. I think it'll help the guys that were freshmen. It'll give them a little bit of taste. The guys that got to play in uh, Minute Maid, it, it'll give them a little bit of taste in their mouth about, hey, this is where we were. This is what we worked for, you know, and this is what we're going to do. Now, it's not going to bother the, the sophomores and the juniors or the seniors that are coming back because they've already felt that pressure. I think now they, I think now the freshmen that were here, they know what they got to work for. They know what it's like. I think that's good. Yeah. I think those 18 games help. There's no doubt about it. Anytime you get to play baseball, you learn, you're going to learn from it if you pay attention to it. And sometimes that's the difficulty in it. That's what we're trying to do is Hey man, wake up and pay attention, you know, retain this. This is a, this is important. It's a detail. Thanks a bunch, Skip. Thanks Eric. Go to T.J. Eckert. Hey, Coach. T.J. Eckert from uh, Channel 8 up in Tulsa. A couple questions about Cade. Uh, can you just walk through the recruitment process of, of recruiting him? And then you hit on a couple questions earlier. His development from more of a thrower 
trying to overpower guys into a, a pitcher. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you saw Kay coming out of high school that he was a, a third baseman, first baseman. I mean, he was like one of the first guys when I got the job as a pitching coach that I went and saw, and he, he was he was out, you know, and he was out that summer. I didn't get to watch him play, you know, even though his dad was coaching the team, and I, and I didn't get to watch him play. And so to watch him evolve from being a kid that was, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be a shortstop, a third baseman, uh, or a pitcher, you know, in a first baseman. And so what we did was I told him, I was like, you know, I tell this to every guy that's a two-way guy, you're going to tell us when you decide if you want to stop hitting or stop pitching. You'll tell us. If we make that decision for you, then it, you, then you don't own it. We want you to own it. So the first year was a, was a, was a roller coaster. I mean, his first at bat that spring hit a home run. You know, the next day he comes in and closes the game. We drop a ball, fly ball in right field. He gets the loss. You know, I mean, he's throwing like 93, 94. It's kind of all over. It's like shotgun command. Like you shoot a shotgun against the wall and the pattern's like this big. That's what I mean. It was kind of going everywhere. But you can see how electric it was. It was like, you know, Kay's like got like an 800-yard driver in his bag. You know, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, I've been around Clayton Kershaw. I've been around Homer Bailey. I've been around a bunch of big leaguers, and he throws as easy as any of those guys. Now, my, is he going to be as good as those guys? Time's only going to tell. But as he as it, that development process started, um, he goes out to the Cape. He pitches a little bit. Um, he comes back. We start the fall. Uh, we play him at first. Uh, we pitch him a little bit. And then we decided, you know what we're going to do? We need to make – if this guy wants going to be us, if, we're, if, he, if he's going to be who we think he is, we're going to throw him on Friday night. If he's, if he's hot that day, he can pitch with anybody in the country. And there's times there where he went in the fifth or sixth inning, you know, I mean, battling, 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 and he learned uh, some valuable things. Hey, man, you're going to give us 15 outs tonight. You're going to stay out there and give us 15 outs. And he did that. Um, and so I, I commended him for it. And then we're walking in. the well, He got with Team USA. That was one of his goals. And we're walking into the uh, uh, field where they stretch in left field, and he come up to me and he goes, hey, Skip, I just think I want to pitch. I, that's great, man. Now let's start working on all the details like holding runners. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was throwing one bullpen with one long toss, then going hitting it every day to a bullpen one day, drills the next day, long toss the next day, rest a day, Drills again, bullpen, game. I mean, it's uh, uh, there's a there's a routine process that you have as a starting pitcher, and he went through that process this year, and you could see how much he grew. It's funny how I hear guys all the time that some pro guys like, how do you get better? And I'm like, really? I mean, he put the time in. He worked. I mean, it was not. It's not some. We don't have magic dust that we throw on top of and all of a sudden, boom. You know, it's it's about how it's his work. All we were were the guys that put the plan in. God gave him the ability to throw 97 miles an hour. And God put him in our life so we can teach him a plan 
to do it the right way. And he's going to continue to grow through those times. It's going to be, there's man, this game's tough, man. It doesn't care. You feel there's going to be days where he walks out and punches out 15. There's one days that he's got to figure out how to get 15 outs, you know, and it doesn't care how you feel, man. I mean, I'm, we're living proof of this team was living proof of how baseball is. We go from winning uh, an important game on a Tuesday night to getting our, uh, getting our game canceled on a Thursday to getting our season canceled on a Friday. You think they cared about how we felt? No, it's just what it is. And, and, and that's what we try to teach those guys that life lesson. You know, I mean, we've got to keep, continue to do that and grow with those kids. Good stuff. Thanks coach. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go next to Byron Kerr. Hey coach. Thank you so much for the time today to talk about your players. Uh, talking about Cade and his, his off-speed work, Chris Klein was mentioning how the changeup is something that he might incorporate more in pro ball. Besides the fastball, how did he do in his other pitches in getting better as he progressed through Oklahoma? Um, Kay can really spin the ball. I mean, he has the ability to uh, throw fastball, curveball, slider change. I think the, the curveball is going to be a better pitch for him. Uh, curveball change is going to be a better pitch for him. Um, even though if if the more he gets the ball out front, he could probably go to a little slurvish type deal. I mean, we've got video on him where his shoulders are like this versus his shoulders like this, you know, or it'll be like that, you know, where he's flipping over. I think that's the thing that he's going to continue to grow in in repeating his delivery. Uh, he's got a feel to do that, those things, all those things and more, you know, I mean, uh, He's, he's got some toughness to him, too. I can promise you that. I mean, he was playing in the New England Collegiate League, and he called me and got suspended for four games. And I'm like, you got suspended for four games? He said, yeah, you know, I hit a guy in the middle of the back. I came in relief. I was playing third base. Hit a guy in the middle of the back. I come in in relief. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, man, picking up your teammates. You know? So, the guy's got some makeup. He ain't, he ain't scared. That's for sure. Thank you. Go to Jessica Camarado. Jess, your phone, you're, you're on mute. It's there you go. It's a case of the Fridays, isn't it? Jessica Camarado with uh, MLB.com. I have a two part question for you. The first is with Brady. You spoke about his leadership. What moment stands out to you uh, with him being a leader? Uh, Probably um, last year going into the playoffs, you know, uh, going into uh, uh, the Big 12 and how he had big hit after big hit and how the balls that he was blocking, fastballs, breaking balls, it didn't matter. You know, I mean, he – He just showed that process of make, or if it sits to the right side, get over, come back, or going one. Or we have we have like a school that we 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 make sure that they do that and show energy. I told him I was like, hey man, every time we throw a fastball, you say this. 
this. Like we're giving away the play that stuff so much, you know, because he had a lot of energy. Like, there you go, and dropped to a knee. And, I mean, he with the with the pitcher. I mean, we've had people talk to us about, you know, we love your guys' energy and what they do. Thank you. And a second part to the question, Cade spoke a lot about his haircutting ability. And I was wondering if you noticed that that was a team building activity at all and, and what you think about his side hobby. as you can tell, but uh, uh, yeah, I think it for sure. I think those things are all, all vital of the team haircut of him cutting hair. And, and I think that added some camaraderie um, to our team for sure, because he was a big part of the leadership program uh, that we set forth, you know, uh, uh, no doubt about that. You kind of froze in the beginning of that answer. Do you mind just repeating the first part to the answer about Cade? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it adds some to some uh, uh, camaraderie for sure. I'll kind of, um, I wanted to, I wanted to do that for sure, and because uh, I know he can really, he's pretty talented, and that you know he he has charisma. I mean, he's he's a typical barber. You know, you never it's never a dull moment with him. So it was pretty cool. Thank you, coach. Thank you. Let's go to Ann Rogers. Hi, Skip. Uh, my name is Annie Rogers. I cover the Cardinals for MLB.com. Um, so my question is about uh, Levi Prater um, and just the kind of what what kind of player uh, could the Cardinals be getting in in him? A fierce competitor. A guy that's not ever going to give in. I mean, was on his sleeves. He gets after it. Very, very good. I mean, very good. Um, Three-pitch mix, fastball. I mean, his last outing, if you look on Synergy, he was, I think, 91-94. Power, breaking ball, plus changeup. Hitter, the, the, it's an uncomfortable bat. You know, it's a hit or miss. Uh, uh, man, uh, I think he's going to continue to grow in those in those things, and uh, 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 he's not ever ever going to give in. Fingers on the right hand, give in. You know, this guy also was uh, a great kid too. You know, I was I'm kind of mad at the St. Louis Cardinals about signing him for sure because I wanted him back, but. Uh, it's a great program, Flores, and great job. And, and uh, you know, one of we got one of our own, Ryan Franklin, that works, you know, he's a special assistant. And Aaron Looper played at University of Oklahoma, too. So um, we're excited that, you know, St. Louis got him. And I think he'll, be, I think he'll pitch in the big leagues for sure. He kind of reminds me of a, a kid that I had when I was at the University of Texas named Dylan Peters, like, is like the fifth guy in the rotation for the, um, Angels, so uh, uh, he's he's a lot like that guy, probably a little lower arm slot than than Dylan, and uh, uh, just as competitive. 
for sure, Ann. Thanks. Let's go to Lee Benson. Hey, Coach. I know in a perfect world, uh, uh, in a perfect world, this time of year, you're not even really thinking much about next season. This season, I know you had thoughts of Omaha. Uh, but since we've been hearing a lot about fall sports and scheduling, things like that, wondering right now for your team, is everything on schedule, on track at this point here in the middle of June to, to start on time, that your, your normal fall activities? Uh, we don't know yet. We'll, we'll, it'll continue to know. I mean, it could. I, I don't know. I wasn't in our meeting the other day. I, I was at a, a funeral, but um, I didn't get any information that uh, a date or anything like that. We have a protocol of what we're supposed to do to get these kids back. So I assume at some point, because we have a window that we can practice as a team and we cannot practice as a team. So that's not going to matter. You know, it's more of, hey, let's get them here, get them comfortable. I know I can tell you one thing is, the hardest thing is when they get back is we got to get them in shape before we start playing because it's, it's important to me that, Hey, I'm not going to just go out and start throwing guys two or three innings and, and have an air squad when they, they hadn't been practicing. So uh, I want to make sure they've been, been practicing and doing what they do to get better. And a real quick follow-up to that. I don't know. Uh, we've seen some college tournaments going on kind of around the country and in certain parts. I don't know how many of your guys are able to play right now, but is fall this year maybe a little more important than it has been? Because I don't know if there's some limited action for players. They, didn't, they were obviously weren't able to get the whole, whole spring in too. So they haven't played as much ball. So is fall going to be a little bit more important? Well, if they don't, if they don't walk on the baseball field and it's not important to them, they don't need to walk out there. Every time you walk on the baseball field, it better be important to you at the University of Oklahoma because that's the that's what we need to practice like. That's what we need to play like. That's the energy that we need to give. So it's got to be important to you. But I don't know how I many – I think some of them start maybe middle of the next week in some leagues in Dallas and stuff like that. Some of them will start, but I don't, I don't really know uh, how many guys have thrown – or whatnot. I've only visited with a few guys on our team. Um, so uh, I don't know exactly who's, I mean, I, I've been visiting with them, like even throwing whatnot, but not as much as, you know, before, like wide O's, I'm shutting wide O's down, Bennett and, and some of those guys for sure. They, they're not going to play, but, uh, you know, that's a great question, Lee, because I, I, I mean, I want to make damn sure when they walk on that field, if they don't, if they aren't ready to practice, if it's not important to them, they shouldn't be out there. I'm just being serious. Thanks, Coach. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, circle back to Britt Giroli. You forgot some dudes. All right, go ahead. Where's, where's Brittany? She gone. You got Matt up here. You got D. Was it D. Gold? <laughs> I can't hear you. Do, you. do you guys? Do you guys have a question for Coach? Um, that's that's all I had on my list. Uh, we've, I we've 
we got time for a couple more. Um, if you guys want to um, go ahead and fish don't start buying until about five. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, if it's okay, Eric, Eric and Skip, thank you for uh, for inviting us. I'm Derek Gould. I cover the Cardinals for the Post Dispatch uh, long enough to have covered Ryan Franklin here, so know him well. Yeah. For better or worse, Skip. Um, there you the, go. <laughs> I'm wondering if we, if you could elaborate on Levi, if you think that like his delivery, that slot he throws from adds some of the deceptiveness that maybe makes his stuff play up a little bit. And then also if, if you allowed him to call his own games too, and any of the creativity he might've shown because of the types of pitches he throws. Well, I mean, you're, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that because everybody talks about Cade. I mean, those guys can shake off whatever they want to shake off. And Levi shook off pitches and give up hits and, and, and also had conviction in, in swung and missed pitches too. So he could, he could shake off any pitch. I just want to make, I just want to make damn sure I mean, if you're going to shake it off, do it with, we'll do it with conviction. I mean, conviction is the most important thing and we're not out there. We're not in their mind and we're not in their heart and I'm not a heart surgeon. And you don't have, you're, you don't have to be a heart surgeon for Kay Cavalli, Dane Acker, or Levi Prater. I can tell you what, those guys, those guys pitch with their heart. That's the one intangible tool that those three guys have over a lot of guys in this, in this draft. I can tell you that for sure. Um, Levi's game, I mean, I mean he was 91-94 his last outing. I think his 90 is going to play up with the slot that he's at. The same – those three guys have the same unique things is when they get over competitive, they get out of control. And when you get out of control, you can't put, you can't pitch one person. You can't pitch one pitch at a time. And Tyler, uh, all these guys that have been covering me for so long is so important because it's like one of my biggest pet peeves. You know, it's like me and you are sitting there playing golf and, we're strapping it. You've been strapping it. You've been hitting about 300. All of a sudden, I get up there and hit it, try to hit it 300. I've been hitting it 270, and I hook it. Well, the great pitchers is no different. The great pitchers, once they get that guy one-two, if they just stay in rhythm with their delivery, but if they get grit their teeth and try to make the guy swing and miss, they hang it. They get out of control. And then, and then the great ones can do it zero to five pitches. The good ones, five to ten. And the not-so-good ones from ten on. And so that's the thing that all three of them are going to continue to grow in, in the process, but it's hard. Do you tell them not to grit their, grit their teeth? I would rather tell them to, whoa, then giddy up, you know? And that's the hardest thing for me to teach all three of those guys. And Levi was the same, Levi, no different, you know what I mean? Because like, I mean, the game that he lost, he put, uh, he had a no hitter, People against Missouri had a no hitter against Missouri through five innings. Broken bat double over the right fielder's head. Broken bat single over the left over the third baseman's head. Right, and he just goes crazy. And then he settles back in, ends up finishing the inning, and we end up getting beat. But he has a no hitter through five innings against them, and that's the thing that he'll continue to grow in. I mean, you look at the his numbers for three years. They're pretty good, you know, and uh, it's I, – I, I know I'm biased, 
but I think he's better than a lot of those guys that went ahead of him. I can tell you that for sure. And I think that the St. Louis Cardinals stole a guy. He's that good. I really believe that. If I had to win a game on my career, I'd, I'd want him to pitch it. Because I know he's going to he's gonna give you everything he's got. And he ain't going to hold back. He ain't going to be afraid at the end of the day to throw it in there and give up the run. Thank you very much, Coach. Thanks for letting Thank us you. join you this week. Thank you. And Eric, I'll jump in if, if that's all right. Uh, Matt Weirich, co coach from uh, NBC Sports Washington, just wanted to ask you, uh, a couple of members in the front office mentioned that you know Jimmy Gonzalez pretty well uh, going back a long time. Can you talk about your relationship with him and what your conversations were like uh, with him about Cade and uh, Brady as well? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy's a, a really close friend of mine. We played junior college baseball with each other, and uh, uh, we went – we went to Pan American as well with each other. So, you know, he's probably one of the best uh, scouts in, you know, cross checkers in the country. He's going to tell you what he, what he sees. He's going to be honest with you. Um, you know, no different than a lot of them. Uh, it's not like that we had some secret sauce or something that I, some secret that I was going to tell him and I wasn't going to tell somebody else. I mean, he knew what kind of pitcher, Cade was by being around him. He knew that his values and his, the core system that that we do when we teach. Um, I got to visit with Chris uh, a little bit about you know deliveries and and stuff like that. That's what's so awesome about the Nationals is their their scouting department. They're gonna they're gonna go through all those development processes, you know, of see if it, see if that kid can fit in their development. You know, Tres Barrera, I coach Tres Barrera too. So it's, uh, uh, it's, you can tell the difference in, uh, um, in, in what Jimmy does and a lot of guys do because he's going to do his due diligence to find out what kind of makeup he has, if he's good off the field, he's good, not good off the field, all those little big details. And you would too, Matt, if you're, if you're fixing to give a guy a million dollars, I know I would. You know, <laughs> I want to go, I want to put him in a deer stand with me. Hey man, if I'm fixing to give you a million dollars. I'm find out what's what's in your what's in your heart, you know, because that's more important. And I'm telling you, Cade Cavalli is he's got a big heart, and uh, he's pretty special. Appreciate that, Skip. Thank you. Uh, we we have time for a couple more. If if anybody wants to signal, if you have one more question, use the with the reaction button. Do I now? Uh, go ahead, Tyler Palmatier. Okay. Wasn't sure if you, if you saw it there. And Skip, I just wanted to follow up on something that was asked earlier about uh, the whole weekend rotation being gone. When was the last time you were in that position, happened to replace three guys like that? And uh, what sort of, at this point in the game, with the, especially with the way scholarships are shaping up, is there anything you can do to, I mean, is the opportunity to bring anybody else in out the window? No, I mean, you can go out and try to find, you know, the transfer portal and try to find graduate transfers or, you know, you can, I mean, you can do that stuff. You can look at several different ways. And, and uh, um, it's the first time I've ever lost the entire rotation. Uh, let me see, maybe my sec first or second year at Texas, I might have, 
you know, in junior college, we did several times because they'd be the same age, you know, but we usually had a guy that was in there. Um, but I mean, hell, that's what we do, you know? I mean, that's a sign of what we do. And, and I think that's uh, uh, the beauty of uh, uh, why I came to the University of Oklahoma. You know, it's uh, as a, and, and our staff has done such a great job in recruiting. Uh, we're just going to have to keep go out there and keep getting better. I mean, you can't ask for two better assistant coaches in Clay Van Hook and Clay Overcash. And, you know, our staff with Brian Gaines and Britt Bonneau and, and what we do, it, we're, 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 I mean, those, those scouts are good friends of ours. We get, we hear players. I mean, Coach Overcast was a scout for 20 years. We hear about players from them. We, we tell them about players from them. Uh, they can come to practice, uh, stuff like that. It's, it's great. There's a lot to digest there, but uh, as a Sooner fan, I think every time you can hear Skip Johnson talk, it becomes even more entertaining, and you learn so much more about the game. So I'm really appreciative of Skip for doing that, Ryan Gaines and Eric Collier for setting it up. I hope you guys enjoyed. I know it makes the podcast a little bit longer, takes up a little bit more storage, but I think it's important to hear from the boss of the Sooner baseball team after the week that he had. Hey, here's what's on tap, presented by Philip 66 Live to the Full, coming up on Wednesday's podcast. Meg McDonald is talking a little bit women, a little bit of women's gymnastics, so that's coming up on Wednesday. And how about our classic games this week? It's a it's a purple week as we focus some showdowns against TCU. I was just editing before we talked to Toby the OU TCU baseball game from 2017, where Toby and Ross Hubbard look back on an incredible comeback by the Sooners. Fun game, fun game between OU and TCU baseball. That's on Thursday night, and then on Saturday we continue our Big Twelve football championship game classics as OU battles TCU in 2017. That's coming up on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, everyone have a great start to your week. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and spreading the word of the Sooner Sports Podcast. And until next time, Boomer Sooner, everybody.